Welcome everybody to the Full Vantage Podcast. My name is Trevor and we are going to be getting different vantage points into your life as we think, as we process, as we grow together. I believe that our problems and our dreams both can be solved and come into our reality if we get the right people speaking into our life. So with that being said, we're going to have guests and we're going to have conversations that that can actually change our life and help us grow because the foundation of your future are your friends. So let's have people speak into our life right where we are. Let's get after it together. Full Vantage Podcast. And if you have not subscribed on YouTube or if you have not followed us yet, it's one of the best ways to encourage us on this journey. So let's go together. Welcome to the Full Vantage Podcast. I have Cassie with me, Cassie Little with me, and Cassie's been living in Denver for how long? Four years. Four years. Cassie's story is actually so wild, and I'm so happy to be chatting with you. She started a company called Her Sorority Journey. Nailed it. Okay, hersororityjourney.com. Please check that out. And I don't think a ton of people really even know it like sororities are about mm. what they do yeah it's kind of a kind of a tab not taboo is the wrong word but it's it's behind the scenes if you've not been a part of one you don't really know what they're about yeah and it's like people have these ideas of what a sorority is yeah uh but those ideas are just probably not true but then there's probably reasons why they have those ideas yeah unfortunately or fortunately whatever like i, th- I just want to dive into everything that you do because it's so unique. Yeah. You're so cool. Oh, you're so cool. Here, can we say like cheers to the Full Vantage Podcast? And like getting the podcast off the ground is so much work. Like I just want to vouch for how much work it is to launch a podcast. This I've launched two. And so like the (laughs) fact I'm not a pro by any means. I think like the the best advice that I received before I started a business, before I started a podcast, before I started speaking was like, don't wait until you feel ready to go for it. Like go for it before everything's perfected, before you have like the domain name, just like start like getting the little things in place to get where you want to go. Even if that means like posting an imperfect episode on Apple podcasts, you know, like just getting things out there makes a huge difference. So congrats. I think your podcast is perfect. I'm not saying that what you started is imperfect. I'm just saying know that I think what you're doing is amazing <laughs> and it's all about just starting you know no, I no, I couldn't I couldn't agree more and I think that's isn't that your story a little bit though totally yeah. I mean I mean not waiting till you think it's perfect because uh what imperfect thing humans right not a perfect one of us yeah but what imperfect thing can produce something perfect mm-hmm. shout out Amen. to that you don't have yeah. to worry about that anymore yeah like you just don't and so can you elaborate on that real quick though you live out what you believe it's just obvious you serve your your church you serve your community you serve the people that you love the people that in your life I've seen you personally step up in areas of friendship and Mm. genuine relationship and people that have poured into you and you fill the gap and you help people where they are and so I'm excited about this to learn from you. Yeah, thanks. And then just to ask you further questions, like I just want to know more. I want to know more how, why, 
what, where we headed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think con- people, the people need context. Yeah. Okay. The people need context. Honestly, I need context refresh as well. I know I've heard it, but please uh, take us back to maybe where you started taking those steps to even building a business. Yeah, it's not a glamorous story, honestly. It's rooted in a not ideal work environment and a, uh, yeah, just like a lot of, um, what's the right way to put it? I, I, like I was forced into a lot of decisions very quickly to preserve my quality of life, relationships that I was in at the time. And what's funny is when I look back, I like see how God used all of that, like every moment of uh, disobedience in some regard and uh, like seasons that I'm not like the most thankful for or proud of, like God used every moment of it to put me where I am today. So first of all, like that's like the root of the story. (laughs) So back in 2019, I... Uh, a little context about sorority communities is... Please, give us yeah, all of that context. I, I, I hate I to it. tell this story in... I, I don't know how far to go back, but I'll just I'll just take us back and kind of see where it goes. So in college, I went to Arizona State University. Uh, go Devils, which is ASU. a weird thing to say. But yes, uh, ASU, Tempe, Arizona. I grew up in Portland, Oregon. My mom, my dad, my grandma worked there. My aunt and uncle also went there like cousin went there sorry cliff like very big asu family and no one from my high school is going to arizona state but i what was in the budget and like where my scholarships were telling me i could go was either stay in state go to university of oregon or go to arizona state and i was just ready for some sunshine like i had lived in the rainy pacific northwest for 18 years and i was like all right this isn't the dream school but let's go and I immediately, I think because I knew no one else, immediately got plugged into sorority. I like was excited to go through the recruitment process because I was excited to have friends. And I think because of part of my high school story and experience, I was ready to kind of like have a new uh, reputation, uh, just like kind of start fresh. I think we all kind of look for that in college. It's just like a fresh start. And so I got really involved. My sorority recruitment story was marked by a lot of rejection and feeling really left out through the process. And I actually tell that story on stages in front of thousands of women, like probably you like have the coolest, like 10 times a year placement picture for your website because it's you speaking in front yeah. of thousands of yeah. sorority sisters. Yeah. Shout out to the sisters. Yeah. And so like, that's wild. And so it's funny to see like where my career trajectory has taken me to go back to moments of so much rejection, right? And like questioning where I belong because I feel like the Lord's put me on this earth to like help women find communities where they belong. Like that is, if it's in fitness, if it's in college, if it's in church, like that is what I'm called to do. And so throughout college, I just like took advantage of all these leadership opportunities. And I was a Christian at the time. And so it was really important to me to live above reproach. And so while my friends were like having a ton of fun on Friday and Saturday nights, like I was having fun, don't get me wrong, but I was like not, we weren't having the same level of fun. Like I was in like the, type. the passenger seat of the ambulance instead of like the transported person. Great. Yeah. Anyways, uh, maybe don't put that in there um, for some people that will see that. But I, I was the person who was like making sure everyone was okay. Like I was chapter president. I was calling the risk management hotline when we were like getting our members home safely from a little too much to drink or an unsafe date 
choice partner that had joined them. So that was like my role in college. And so in all the leadership that I had in sorority, I just had all this exposure to the national organization and what other jobs or influences existed for that community, kind of like a very niche community. There is like a whole industry around supporting fraternities and sororities, if you can believe it. Uh, that's like a, a branch of like the higher education industry. And so I just had all this exposure to what other people did in that space. And I just knew, I really knew I wanted to go to law school, really wanted to go to law school. And so I decided I'd take a gap year and I'd work for my national organization as a leadership consultant. And I'd met a million leadership consultants. It was the coolest job. These women flew around the country for an entire academic year, visiting chapters, like helping them out with recruitment and operations and leadership development and officer transitions. I'm like, this is the coolest job. You get to like travel the country on someone else's dime, like supporting sorority. You've got to be kidding me. This is the dream. And so I remember like, the interview process, I was so nervous, like in the weeks leading up to like actually getting the call that I'd been hired, like I was like so nervous. And when I got hired, I was driving from San Diego back to Phoenix. I'd like gone to San Diego for a day by myself right after my birthday. And I remember getting the call right before I like lost service as you like kind of get up into the mountains. And man, it was like probably one of the a, a defining moment in my career was when I got that call to like take that next step prior let me actually think about timeline yeah actually prior to getting that call I'd gotten a like way lower score on the LSAT than I wanted and so I was like I'm gonna have to retake this anyways I want to go all in on this and then reconsider and that year I talk about that experience a lot when I speak as well because I just got to work with sorority women from across the country who had such different like backgrounds and lived experiences but who all wanted the same thing like their growing up looked different and their even like campus culture and traditions look different in different parts of the country as like we all know like even off TikTok you know that joining a sorority at Alabama is very different than joining a sorority in Oregon you know like it's just there is different ways that sororities lived out there's different ways that churches lived out that community exercise, like all the different things that we do and fill our time with just looks different in different regions of the country. And I just loved all the people I met and relationships that I made. And so in that year, I was like posting about all this on social media. And I got uh, asked to consider joining a higher ed speaking agency as like in a sales role to help sell some of their speakers, but also like grow in my ability to eventually be a speaker. And that's the job that I had when I met the guy that I moved to Colorado for a little over four years ago. And the job in working remote for that company in Arizona just ended up being very different than working for that company remote in Colorado. And so a couple things just like came together that was like, this just isn't it and I need to like take a step back. And luckily I had really good people in my life at that time who were like, hey, we, we love you and we support your decision to leave, but you can't leave this industry. Because in my head, I'm like, okay, if I'm not supporting sorority women for this company, then I'm not doing it at all. And there were just some really valuable people in my life at that time who encouraged me to look a little broader and say like, okay, where else could you apply 
this passion that you have for supporting women in college beyond this like one like isolated role that just wasn't the best fit for you at that time. And, and that's like the origin story of her sorority journey. And so that went down in December of 2019. I did not have a job lined up with, uh, I did not have another job lined up when I quit that job. I was living with my ex-boyfriend in a city that I'd been in for like two months. What little did I know that was like three months before the country shut down. And so I remember January, February, March, just like feeling kind of aimless in a city where I knew no one. I started working the front desk at Bar 3 Highlands Ranch. That was like my first family here. And just to like meet people and what I, who I met was like a ton of like Douglas County moms who I love so dearly, uh, who just really encouraged me and like believed in this idea that I had as I was like fleshing out like curriculum and content. I wanted it to be more of like a platform experience than what I'd done in the past. I really wanted to make it interactive and supportive. And so I was like building out content, just brainstorming different ideas of what I was going to do. And March came the month I went to launch. My birthday's in March. And so middle of March was my anticipated launch date with social media and the website. All that stuff was done. And the week I go to launch, all of the women who I feel called to support get pulled from campus. And they all disperse back to their hometowns or their off-campus apartments, their parents' basements, wherever, to just figure out how to do school virtually for like however long they have to be off campus, right? right? And I remember thinking, I like took a beat and was like, the day I went to launch is not the day I actually launched. And I'm like, let's feel, let's like feel the room. And uh, the next week I was like, you know what, they need it anyways. And so March 19th, 2020, we launched her sorority journey. Like three days later, I'm like, you know what, let's launch the podcast too. Like, who cares? And so I literally have a photo of me on the floor of my closet at the time, uh, recording my first ever podcast with literally like my laptop, my iPhone and AirPods. Like that's how I record my first podcast. And I am so as like bitter and hard as that that first year was, I look back with so much gratitude for all like the groundwork that God laid and like the promise that like God gave. Zechariah 4, 10 says, uh, do not despise small beginnings for God rejoices to see the work begin. And I remember holding on to that and being like, okay, we got this. It's small, but I'm like, I'm just building day by day. And lots of things have changed my life since then, right? Like ended that relationship, moved across town, was building the business on my own, uh, got to a place where my savings like couldn't carry me, right? Got, took a job at restoration, was teaching fitness that year too. Um, So I was working at a church, teaching fitness, also running my business. God like pulled me out of a couple of those things. And so I look back at all the different ways that God like carried me and provided for like, this to be my full-time job. Like, it's crazy. When I look back over the last four years, I'm like, this was no, like, work of my own. Or, like, like there is just something so much greater that the Lord was trying to, like, teach me through this. Like, you're talking about, like, the relief that we have. Anyways, this is a long no, example it's so good. of, like, I, no, that's, the, the, the origin story. No, but. that's good. And, you, and then now you 
you fully work for your own company. Yeah, so her sorority journey today, I call an educational resource platform to support sorority members and leaders in any season of their membership experience. So that might look like an uh, 18-year-old deciding where she's going to go to college, saying, I think I want to join a sorority, finding her sorority journey, and gaining some resources about how to go through recruitment. It might look like a vice president of recruitment or a sisterhood chair trying to figure out how to motivate or empower their members. It might look like a senior who's trying to figure out how to take their membership experience into their future career. Like we have a lot of different types of content. And so we have a blog, a podcast, those are our more accessible resources. And then my full-time job is flying to college campuses across the country or conferences to speak on these topics in a workshop format or a keynote format like you saw on my website. Totally. Okay, so if you, you're claiming a lot of really amazing, like, scriptures over your life, which you should, and I love that. Like, you're even quoting, you know, your, your life is so amazing how the Lord's moving and working in it. Romans 8, 28, mm. kind of around that, it's like, hey, he's working all, together, all things together for the good of those who love him and live according mm. to his purposes. We were talking about this earlier before we even started, you know, or maybe we were we were talking while we when we started, but about how uh, imperfect things and perfect things, and it's not about it's not about us, you know, looking back and like, oh, our life is perfect, but it's like, no, he's providential. Mm. He is making a way. Mm-hmm. I'm so I, you know, it's like, oh, like. It's all him giving him credit. And so, like, I just, I think it's cool to think, maybe even ask the question, okay, if you look back, hindsight is twenty twenty, so whatever, like, we, we, the future's created looking forward, we, you know. Yeah. If you look back, what are some, like, things you learned, maybe even, maybe two or three things you learned, or slash, would it maybe do it that way? Uh, love Romans 8. Romans 8.26 says, for we do not even know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit intercedes for us. I think I put so much pressure on myself when I started out to have all the right answers, to like know how to make everything make sense to other people. That, I think being uncomfortable with incomplete thoughts or incomplete visions is something that I wish I'd given myself a lot more grace with. And Mm -hmm. I try to like preach that for other people too. Like, We don't owe anyone our complete thoughts. We deserve the grace and the space to like work through either where God's calling us to apply things that we're passionate about or just like logistically, like what makes sense and where the need is. Um, Because I think so often, and I've even like, I got a business coach this year, like thank God there was the opportunity to get a business coach. That was a call that needed to be made this year. And I love being challenged to be like, hey, why do you do things this way? Because I think sometimes we're so afraid of reimagining a new way of doing something that we keep ourselves stuck in the way things have always been done or the ways our competitors in the business world or our peers in our, in our personal lives do things that we subject ourselves to doing things the way things have always been done. Like you and I were talking about like, there's, I, well, I'll talk about that later, I guess. There's just more freedom, I think, when we give our friendships and our relationships the credit that they deserve that your friends can hold your incomplete mm-hmm. thoughts or your, like, half-baked ideas. It's okay to process out loud. Yeah. 
I think actually that's a beautiful piece of relationships that matter to us is having the ability to say, hey, I'm not sure or I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe. Yeah. But I'd like to just talk out loud about this. Yeah. And maybe get your advice or thoughts or opinions or just ear. Yeah. And sometimes you have to like ask your friends for that or significant other or parents because we are all in the business of giving unsolicited advice. Mm -hmm. That's just like we are fixers as people. I think sometimes people are like, men are fixers. It's like, no, we are all fixers. Just people think. People yeah. are fixers. And, and maybe like maybe like the relational element of women just makes us like maybe naturally a little bit better listener sometimes, right? Versus like, all right, here's a strategic solution. Like, I think we're, we're both bad at that. And that's, that's just the way it is. So sometimes you have to preface your parent, your significant other, your roommate, I'm just talking. This is for my brain. Don't feel the pressure to give us a solution to this, you know? Teach us, teach me, teach us how to deal with the tea. Because that's what you're talking about. Because it's, like, yeah. it's like, how do we have better conversations then? How do we process out loud and build trust at the same time? Because I think that is currency right now. Mm. I am thinking about that a ton. How do we build trust? How do we keep it? How do we get it back? And uh, yeah, you, what is it? it doesn't really matter. You're good with whatever. Uh, like, teach, like, talk to us about that. Here is what I teach in all of my sisterhood programming. So uh, we, I, I don't think a good use of our time is getting into the like logistics of sorority recruitment. But for the purpose of our time together, what I'll tell you is this. I tell all of my clients, especially those that are asking me to come to talk to their potential new members. So those are like women who are interested in joining a sorority before recruitment. Their recruiters, kind of obvious, like the word implies itself, but like the active members of the chapter organization who are convincing potential new members they want to join them. Or the recruitment counselors, the women who have been elected, appointed as leaders and mentors for those potential new members to look to and gain guidance and wisdom from. Regardless of the demographic that I'm working with around recruitment, I tell them this, all of my recruitment programming is undercover sisterhood programming because we should not even talk about the logistics until we talk about the people in the room, until we talk about why the people in the room matter to you and how you play an active role in owning your relationship with others in the room or those who you want to be in the room, right? After bid day, after you extend membership to those future sisters. And so one of the things we talk about in those programs is conflict and how much conflict exists between those three demographics that we just discussed, right? Between members and those future sisters, between recruitment counselors and those members, like lots of conflict in recruitment. And so what we talk through is how our natural tendency, this is not a sorority specific example, this it's is a, life. It's a human uh, thing, it's a human thing. Uh, when we notice differences, like when you and I are talking and I notice that we are approaching something with a difference of opinion, be it something as small as a, a theme for an event to like, a fundamental belief about who we are as people or our lives, right? Regardless, we prioritize our own way. That's our natural tendency. When we recognize there's a difference, I want to operate from a place of comfort. I want to plan an event that I know how to plan, right? Yeah. Two, I'm sticking with a belief that I've grown up with and known my whole life, right? 
But what happens when we both prioritize our own way is that that ends a conversation. There's no room for like discussion or evaluating pros and cons of doing things a different way or actually seeing someone else's perspective when we only prioritize our own way. So for the sake of our relationships and our communities that are like worth investing into, be it in college or in high school or as adults in the real world, like in life post, college is the real world, don't get me wrong, but like in, in jobs, in grad school, in, in marriages, in parenting, whatever that looks like, we have to interrupt our natural tendency. Like we can't just passively be bystanders in the ways we've always done things. And so my suggestion is the way we interrupt our natural tendency is not pretending there aren't differences. We gotta acknowledge that there are differences still, but instead of prioritizing our own way, we adopt a posture of curiosity. Love that. We ask hard questions yeah. like, hey, can you help me understand like why you're so excited about that theme? Like I had this kind of idea, but I'm curious to hear like why you think that one's such a better idea or why do you believe that? Like, do you know how like how long you've believed that or um, help me understand like where that's coming from? That helped me understand one, watch your tone because it can come off kind of snarky. It's but not what you say, it's how you say it. It's Gosh, how you say I had it. To, I had to jump down in there. But number two, like I think the other piece is like the humility and recognizing that like it is our pride and comfort that makes us want to prioritize yeah. our own way because when we're curious, it opens a door for them to be too. Like we don't have to be so defensive. And so from there, we can actually have a conversation that like honors one another and makes each other feel heard for the purpose of understanding, not convincing. Oh my gosh. Okay, so there's this, uh, there's, some, there's some amazing content, book, psychologist. They would say that the first step, one of the first, if not the first single step in building trust in a relationship is seeking to understand. Which, you have to be curious to do that. Yeah. And you said posture of curiosity. I love that. Here's why. Because how you carry yourself, yeah. your posture, lets, you, lets somebody else know subconsciously or even consciously that your body language reveals if you're open to wanting to understand. Totally. And uh, that is such a cool way to think because posture sets up um, like how you're thinking, your positioning in your mind, how you're trying to make a point, mm -hmm. or how you're trying to not just win. Yeah. Because if someone wins an argument, that doesn't mean you win the relationship. Yeah. That doesn't mean you get a better relationship. Actually, if you win the argument, you're probably defeating the other person. Oh, what does that do to the relationship? Yeah. Well, and I think that this is the thing about sorority that I think is really misunderstood. We talked about this earlier. Like Hit us just, with it. Just like talking about some misconceptions. Sorry for the misunderstanding. Let's uh, go. It's, and honestly, I think the media does a much better job than they did, let's say, like five, seven years ago of, I mean, even 10 years ago, like all that used to be in the media around fraternities and sororities was negative. Like was the hazing incidents, was like the damage and just like after parties or events um it's like the, the actual student deaths right like and the assault like there the racism there is some serious damage that has been done by fraternity and sorority communities 
that we have to own. Like, I'm not here to say that those aren't things that have happened and require accountability. But here's the thing. Fraternities and sororities were not created to be these, like, crazy elitist partying organizations. They were created as social organizations. And social in the sense of, like, equipping men and women for society, not equipping men and women to fraternize on a Friday night, right? And so I think the the piece that's so important, especially when you go back to the history of like the environment in which fraternities and sororities, multicultural and historically black, the divine nine included, they are all rooted from a place of needing solidarity with one another in a time where seeking higher education for their demographic was unpopular. Fraternities mostly were started, many of which were started around the civil war when like going to college was not the thing that you should be doing. Women, like the most of the most of the sororities that you hear about were founded by like the first women at their institution. Like same thing with the so they, multi- need, they needed each other. Same thing with multicultural and the divine nine. They were all founded in times when there just weren't enough of them to do it like they couldn't do it alone. And they needed other people for encouragement to like literally spur one another on. To good works and I I think what's so hard is a lot of and I'm not blaming anyone from this for this but I think a lot of the heat that fraternity and sorority communities get is more so a product of the college pardon me the college culture yeah. more so than the fraternity and sorority culture but fraternity and sorority are very organized groups that are participating in college culture that's not to say that other student groups or activities aren't participating in those same types of events or experiences. Or individual students. Or individual students. I mean, if you look at, like, Notre Dame, like, they've got this stuff going on, too, and there's no fraternities and sororities there, you know? So I think it's just really important to remember, like, when we're talking about, like, conflict and, like, where we miss one another, is I think so often we allow so many like surface level priorities or things that feel like they need to be a big deal, like winning this argument or like being a part of an elite organization or being associated with like the best fraternity to all of that stemming from a good root need of belonging. Mm -hmm. But what we're missing is how to actually accomplish that because instead we are like masking that by pursuing all these other things, thinking that it will accomplish that. And it doesn't. Oftentimes, and this isn't unique to fraternity and sorority, I think like in our lives, we are always looking for like the best job that will make us look the best, like the best Instagram photos that like portray us in the most attractive or desirable way to feel this sense of like, we've made it when really we're just more isolated than we've ever been. And so, but it's all from the root of wanting to belong and be a part of something bigger than yourself. And so I think when we think about conflict and why it's so important to prior, why it's so important to recognize your need to prioritize your own way is because that maturity, when you recognize what you're trying to accomplish, what you're the maturity that comes when you recognize what you're trying to accomplish by doing something helps you get back to what you actually need. Mm. So why do you do what you do? Yeah. Why do you do what you do? And then because it does, it's not easy. Like I think, I think a lot of times people think that, uh, 
other people's jobs are easy or it just comes naturally. Your grass is always or, greener. Yeah. 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 So, so, so tell like, why, why does Cassie help all of these young women, no matter, or just women, no matter where they are in their sorority journey? Because you also help people on the other side, right? Like yeah. post their college career. Yeah. The why, I think the simple answer is I hope to be a resource and a relatable voice to women whose shoes I was in, who's, who I needed when I was 18 to 22. I, and I had some people in the, I, I think I'm in, in some ways like carrying on a legacy of some of the women that came before me and got to like play some of those roles. Um, I think that's a big reason, but obviously there's a lot of different ways to do that, right? Like I don't, I could volunteer in this space. I could uh, work at a campus. I could work at a national headquarters. I don't have to literally do it all by myself. And honestly, something that I have had to really work through to kind of loop back in what are some things I would have done differently or learned throughout the process is it's really hard to be someone who believes in community operating alone and so I think it's been really important like as a solo entrepreneur to figure out okay what does being on a team look like to me if I don't have that professionally right because when I show up on a college campus it's like yeah we're on the same team but this, you're also my client you know and I'm gonna leave in a day and I want to give you tools to, like carry this torch but I'm gonna just go create a new torch for the campus I'm at tomorrow so like I still need that sense of team to like spur me on to what I feel called to do. I love communicating. Like, and I think that if I didn't do that in sorority communities, I think God would open doors for me to do that elsewhere because I love like seeing themes and threads through like my story and through other stories that create relatability and create opportunities for honest conversations. And while I don't think you need to be in a sorority to accomplish that, I think in college specifically, sorority is the best avenue that I have found of like organized opportunities for conversation and also like organized and facilitated opportunities for belonging. And so my goal is to support these leaders, advisors, and like individual members in like taking one step in restoring what that looks like in their community or on their campus. Because I think what sorority has to offer despite its its flaws and the things that we need to take accountability for has there is so much beauty in the experience not only for years but as the saying goes for life and so I just feel like it's my responsibility to share the tools that I've gained with those who could put them into practice in a season that I really needed to put those into practice yeah yeah I'm curious what is the number one tool do you think people maybe I know there's a lot. I know you have a ton. Sure. Yeah, we talk about but, a lot of things. Yes. <laughs> but what do you think is the number one tool that people need in 2024? Oh, my gosh. That's not the question I thought you were going to ask. Um, I think humility. Not exactly a tool, but really a posture. I think we... What a teachable spirit is. Yeah. Like, that's... Yeah, I think the teachable spirit piece, because I think we live in, 
especially for Gen Z, the like hyper availability of information makes us feel like we need to know everything about everything, right? So when we get into conversations about different ways of doing things or literally anything, I mean, we're on an election year, people. Like, Lord, help us. Like, I, I just see this need to like actually humble ourselves and recognize that we might not have all the answers and also like relieve I think humility can also like relieve the pressure of not feeling like you have to know all the answers because I think there's just so much pressure associated with trying to know everything and keep up with everything do you feel that I do I do you know I was thinking about something earlier today even that if you really want to get a position of humility be the quickest to ask for forgiveness. Mm, yeah. And I know you don't need to apologize for everything. <laughs> like, yeah. we don't need to just walk around saying, I'm sorry, or saying, will you please forgive me? Yeah. But that reveals, that reveals somebody that understands who they are, where they've been, what they're going through. Mm-hmm. And I, I was, I, it's one of the most uncomfortable things to do Yeah, is to say, hey, I need to ask for forgiveness for fill in the blank. But think about the example that creates for others to be able to do the same in their own lives. It like almost like creates permission to do that. Um, I was going to say something. Sorry, I, I no! threw you off track. No, that's, but that that's, was just a, a valuable piece that was even just relevant to even today. Yeah, because I, I think there is... I think the tool of humility, oh, this is what I was going to say, because I've, I've heard it said before that humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it's just thinking about yourself less, because from the- We Insta- all need that, well, oh my goodness. Like from the Instagram example I gave earlier to like comparing yourself for like what car you drive to someone else's, or like what position you're at in your job, or for my- college women like in your sorority to others like we are always trying to figure out how we can get into the top of the totem pole of our little worlds right drive the nicest car like have the most followers like be the top of whatever like date the hottest guy whatever like that there is just this and that's not anyone's fault in particularly like the media just like perpetuates this narrative of like this is the formula to being the best and we all want to be the best, but what's the cost of being the best, right? And I, I think it's hard to take a step back and think through, why do I want the things that I want? Why am I working toward the things that I'm working toward? Why do I do the things that I do? And that's like a really simple thing, and it takes a lot of humility to think about those things so that you can think about yourself less. And to your point about the, like, the apologizing, like I grew up notorious for apologizing for like bumping someone in a grocery store. Like literally like I apologized for everything because like as a little girl, I'm like, I want to be polite. I want to be likable. And I, I like, I mean, I encourage a lot of my women to apologize less from this sense of like, like own your space. Like you are like, you deserve to be here. You have a seat That's at the table, really good. but own your mistakes too. Yeah. Like, like own like what you own, but like also humble yourself to apologize for the things that like where you have gone wrong and where you have made mistakes because you're not perfect. And we're all going to have to apologize for things like for the rest of our, like every week, every day for the rest of our lives, you know? But I think when, when it comes from a place of like sincerity, instead of like either obligation or like politeness to like fit a societal role, 
in my world, like as women, like I think there's so much more power to your sorry. Ooh. And come on, like I love where this conversation has has taken us because, and I love that you said apologize less because I think apologizing and asking for forgiveness, night and day. Yeah. Because it's not about saying I'm sorry. Yeah. That's being polite. Yes. That is not what, that is not the direction that I think. It's, it's about reconciliation, mm. which reconciliation is yeah. about being in right relationship. Yeah. So are you, have you damaged the relationship or are you having thoughts that are damaged, damaging the relationship? Yeah. Are you having motives that are damaging the relationship? Yeah. Are you, it's not, and, and reconciliation, rest, you know, that never comes from I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's not about that. It's about extending grace, yep. getting to a point of forgiveness. And a part of the whole process is like, hey, you know what? Here's how I'm going to live differently because I want to stay in right relationship yeah. with you. Which that is not, that is not being polite or saying I'm sorry. It's, mm. we do, and I just, I think that's really powerful, the nuance that you just said right there. Because as uh, someone who's, I'm con- sometimes I can come across a little too confident or confident, and I really don't want to. Mm-hmm. But the point is to make sure that I own my space. Yeah. And I love that language that you just gave. Yeah. And I also think, like, to you or to anyone else who, like, comes off super confident, I think I am come off in a similar way, right? Um, I don't think you owe anyone, like, an explanation for, like, the joy or the confidence that you have. Like, yeah, own it. And, like, you, others get to find out for themselves, like, if you're approachable, right? Like, and if you're, like teachable like you're talking about because I think that's like such a tendency in all of us to just assume like read people's covers like read their entire personality by the way they present themselves when it's people are always hiding things or like masking things I'm not saying like let's all be so vulnerable like different people are entitled to different levels of vulnerability in your life but go go be in relationship with those that you are like curious about instead of just assuming things about I don't know I I kind of went off on a tangent no no I I think I think we need this I think we need this conversation because the idea is like also we just don't need to get too many ideas about somebody before we know them coming back to like understanding somebody being a a posture of curiosity yeah because it's like you know if someone comes across confident that doesn't mean they're arrogant Mm -hmm. it also doesn't mean that they're prideful yeah and like i do not want to ever come across that way but then in some ways people have said that about me and it's like man that i feel gutted about that but um i cannot also carry uh their preconceived ideas either yeah you know i can't let it stop me from having confidence or the joy of the Lord or excitement for calling or conviction. Yeah. And I think the right people who you should be in close community with will like celebrate those things about you instead of like condemn you for those things. Cause unless you're feeling conviction from the Lord about that, like you walk in your confidence because your confidence comes from the Lord. You know, it's totally. funny. My uncle, you might want to cut this, but uh, <laughs> my uncle has told me for years how hard it would be for me to find someone because he's like, you're just really intimidating. And it's like, but the right person won't be intimidated. You know what I mean? Anyways, please cut that. But like, I think that's 
to my point of like, uh, I think we just have to own who we are yeah. and whose we are, right? Because I think like the personality and the way that like expression comes from us is like a reflection of the Lord. Like I think sometimes we forget, like literally got to hold Marie and Kayla's baby on Sunday. And it's like, this is God's image. In the same way that we're God's image, this like seven pound like sleeping baby is God's image, you know, who, who can't care for herself, who's completely reliant on Marie and Kayla for everything that she needs. Like, and so I think the way we express ourselves when it's like from a place of like joy and like fullness of the spirit, like that's God's glory, you know, and yeah. the, the right people to be around you will celebrate those things about you. That's not to say that if there's like, harmful behaviors in your life you shouldn't just be like well this is god's glory it's like no like like work on your ish like deal with deal with deal with the things that you need to deal with but don't like don't play small because you're worried about intimidating others yeah yeah i i totally agree we it's okay to to work on you and to strive to be the best version of yourself mm-hmm. and uh shout out to your uncle uh <laughs> But, but like, even though it may be hard, it will end up worth it. Yeah. We shouldn't shy away from being the best version of ourselves in confidence, in calling, in conviction. And what's interesting is I'm coming up on uh, my wife and I have been married for 10 years, Mm. July, a decade. That's weird. We've been married a decade. And what's interesting about that is uh, I've been in the – you have to stay in the dating game. Mm-hmm. When you're when you're when you're married, if you want to stay married, you better stay in that dating game. Mm. So uh, love her, excited about just all of our times together, one on one, dating, but like kids and stuff. But like, how could you? How are how do you stay encouraged? Uh, in because you're not dating anyone right now, Mm-mm. okay? Uh, well, excuse me, you're not dating anyone seriously right now, committed anyone. Like, how do you, Cassie? This is. Like, how do you, as a young woman, really cool, aspiring for greatness, following the Lord, high character, um, own business? Yeah. How do you stay encouraged in the dating world? Yeah. Uh, I as I answer this, I might have you. You edit these, right? <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I, as I answer this, I might vet if I want this on the internet. But I here's my here's my biggest thing. I do think this is good. I. I think I stay encouraged. Actually, let me back up. Um, I think our society, and this is not a reflection of our church, but just like the church, puts so much emphasis on the role of marriage that I think we miss how valuable our discipleship is to Jesus in our singleness. And like the opportunity that we have to like be obedient and faithful and like connected with so much available time, like I'm encouraged because I sleep through every single night and I don't have anyone waking me up in the middle of the night. And I know that won't be that way forever. And I will be excited when that season comes, but like I try to like take advantage, recognizing that the season I'm in won't be there forever. And I also try to really celebrate the less societally celebrated things, right? Like as a society, we know how to celebrate couples. We do engagements, we do weddings, we do baby showers really well. 
this weekend alone, I have a baby shower and an engagement party in the same weekend. Like, that's just like the way this won't be aired before Saturday, Sunday, right? No, you're good. Okay, great. We're in the clear. Uh, congrats. Excited for you guys. Uh, <laughs> oh, she doesn't know? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You didn't use her name, but that's hilarious. Uh, I love that. And I, it's a surprise. Um, and, and so I think it's just really important. Like, I love birthdays. And every roommate I've ever had wakes up to a birthday banner and, like, balloons covering the floor, some kind of sweet treat, maybe a bottle of champagne. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you got to go all out for the things that matter. My business anniversary is coming up, like, four years in March. Like, Celebrate that for sure. That's a huge deal to me. Um there was like a sales goal that I was really hoping to hit. Last year, we came up like super short, like just like barely, barely thin oh, margin. When you say super short, that feels like a big oh, short, sorry. but you mean like, you ba mean like we right at it. We barely missed our Come sales on. goal for last year. And so it's like, but I had people ready to like open this bottle of wine that I had. You know, we'll open that bottle this year. It's all good. But like, I think it's just so important to recognize the things and the moments that really matter that maybe societally aren't as celebrated. I think that's a one way I stay encouraged. And then also, I think it's hard sometimes to talk about dating, just like for permission for anyone who's single. I think it's hard to talk about dating sometimes because it feels like the desire to be married can't coexist with the contentment that you have in this current season. You know? Like, I, yeah. I feel like sometimes, like, well, I can't talk about this desire that I have to, like, find someone and start a family eventually because I love my life right now, you know? And so I don't want even talking about that to jeopardize how thankful I am for where I'm at and like what the Lord's given me in this season. Like I've been in relationships in the past that I just wanted, like I just craved being alone. Like I just craved singleness. But, and then, you know, you're single and you're like, I crave being in a relationship. And so I think one way I stay encouraged is like, Ecclesiastes 5.20 says, For man will not much remember the days of his life when God keeps him occupied with the joy in his heart. And I cling to that verse. I pray that over my friends who, like, desire to be married or, like, desire to get promoted. I think there's so many forms of, like, discontentment that we feel in our lives that the enemy wants to, like, take hold of and, like, almost, like, keep us stuck in. When there's, like, freedom in this season and like things God wants to teach us exactly where we are with still the hope of circumstances changing eventually like one of the favorite months of my life was like October 2021 when I had given up a lot of things that I'd been like holding on to that year to like get me by and started sabbathing and I felt like literally was making no money like totally at the end of myself so hopeless and slowly God started changing my heart. My friend Helen, we did a video about this for restoration a couple years ago. Helen gave me like these like 12 passages and she's like, just like start working on these. I got through like all of them in like two weeks. Like I was just like so hungry for the word of God. And like I, like Helen and I both have this like note in our journals of like these, like these verses and these passages that just like counseled me in this time that like she felt like were for the Lord for me. Um, Jason asked me to apply for the job at Restoration. Like, I started looking for new places to live. And nothing changed in that month. I didn't get the job at Restoration. I didn't find a place to live. But I had hope that things were changing. I was just, like, counseled by God's word in that time. And 
the experience of watching my heart change without any of my prayers being answered in the moment was one of the most formative moments of my life. Because in November, I got offered the job at Restoration. I found an amazing house to live in with my old roommate, Cassidy, and we had an awesome year together. And like, God healed and answered a lot of other like relational prayers that were on my heart in the time. And I had so much more gratitude for that because my heart had already changed. It wasn't like just receiving a blessing. It was like receiving it. Like I just felt like renewed, like fully. And I think especially like in dating and in singleness, there is like so much of a heart change that God wants to do in us that I like probably in the middle of like, who cares about the other person? Like God's got them. And it will be such a blessing when like those like roads come together. But for now it's like, let God work on you. And like, that's, that's where I'm at. And like, that's what a prayer, like my roommate and I pray a lot is like, we're going to miss this. Like we, like we love this right now. So we're going to be happy with where we are right now while expectant for like what God wants to do in our future. Does that make sense? No, it does because you're valuing now you'll value the future because you have a value system. You actually process and make decisions and choose opportunities because you value things in priority. That's what I'm hearing you yeah. say, and uh, and I'm seeing you, and I'm seeing you do. Like I'm seeing because like all of these ladies around the country that you spend time with, that you travel to meet, mm-hmm. that you speak to, that you encourage, that you build up. If you were in a serious, committed relationship with family, kids, you couldn't make all those uh, those dates. Here's the other thing that I think is more important. I, yes, I have a flexibility in this season to be like, hit me with a more important thing though. Come um, on. I, 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 I'm thankful every day for the lengthened season that God has given me to like be as mobile as I am and yeah. travel as much. Yeah. However, I think what would be worse is if I was in a relationship that I didn't want for these women and like modeling that, that is like, okay. And like, I think it's just so important, especially when you're in a space of influence that I like take very seriously, not to allow ourselves to live in a way that we wouldn't want for those that we're influencing. Yes. Shout out to that. Because you're not willing to compromise. Yeah. And I, and honestly, that's what's gotten me out of things in the past is being like, oh, I wouldn't want this for that 18 year old in the yeah. second row. Yeah, 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 yeah. So why do I do this to myself? I mean, I think about that too with like my future daughter. It's like, if I would advise her differently, why am I living this way, you know? And that, that also yeah. go. No, no, I just know that, that also, it just leads me to understand if we have a calling mm-hmm. and we commit to our genuine conviction of what we believe, then it'll actually keep us accountable. Yeah. It will hold us accountable to not compromising for anything less than the greatness that God has called us to. Yeah. Cause I think, and honestly, sometimes it feels harder. Like it, like we are, we always like subject ourselves to less than we would want for our friends. You know, like we're like, yeah, I'll like take, take on the extra burden or like 
I don't know, deal with whatever. We're willing to carry more or like the unideal load. But I think it's like really important to want as much for ourselves as we want for our friends because like the Lord wants that much for us, yeah. right? Like, and I think w it can be easier sometimes to be like, well, I'm not going to date this person because I don't want my friends to judge me for this. But it's like, no, I don't want to date this person because I don't, I want to like maintain right relationship with the Lord. And I like am not willing to compromise or settle for like less than God's best, not like my friends. Does that make sense? Like it's, it's yeah, yeah, the yeah. accountability sometimes feels like more like the accountability can feel louder from our peers or our parents or our friends than it does from the Lord. But it's like God's standard is like the one we're living up to. And I, I think that it also contributes to like the way we, what? No, no, I was just thinking, I was just, no, I love this because I wasn't expecting this conversation to go this direction. Me either. But I think it's, I think it's very powerful, honestly. Yeah. I just feel, both of you, you and I are walking with different people in different directions, but we're talking about this a lot, I feel like. Yeah. Or, or maybe we're not talking about it, uh, we're definitely not talking, this is the first time we've ever had this conversation, but like, I'm talking about this with these guys that I'm sharing the journey with yeah. these people or people ask me questions and I know you are walking with your friends or 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 these young ladies or or these, these sorority girls or whatever they're they're having similar they're they're we will compromise if we don't have community yeah just hands down and I just was thinking you better have a good reason why yeah like the my friends that I'm like are in my good circle like my accountability is if your reason why is better than mine, okay, I feel you. Like, well, like, yeah. you better, like, and that's what I love about what you're talking about is, like, why? Why? You know? Yeah. Well, and this is the whole thing is, like, you got to vet who you get your advice from, too. Yes. Because if the advice that you're getting or, like, the people who you're allowing to speak into your life aren't people whose lives you would like to have, those are not, not valuable voices. Not to say they, they don't have an important thing to say for their own life and sphere of, of influence, but if their lives aren't, I mean, ultimately, like, submitted to Jesus, then, like, that's not someone who should be speaking over relationships, career. This is, like, so much bigger than dating, you know? And the community piece is huge. Like, literally tonight, there's, like, four of us. Like, my roommate and I and two other roommates were all single that, like, get together for dinner like once a month and we call it candlelit roomy dinner and it's like always <laughs> cozy the food is always amazing it's always candlelit and it is awesome just to like to celebrate like as as if you would like two couples having like a dinner party you know like don't remove yourself from like the date or like the fun experiences that you crave in dating or like in a relationship from yourself now just because you're not like with someone like go to that nice restaurant like dress up with your friends like make it an event like I think it's just so important to like also get comfortable with yourself like being alone and like celebrating what you get to learn about yourself in this season but also doing like all the fun stuff that you would if you were like with someone and like wanted to go out on a Friday night or whatever would you say this is good advice um, I've been giving this, so maybe I need to like fix it. But um, the habits of depth when it comes to relationship and realness and genuineness that you create with the people that are right around you now will determine the relationships that you don't have yet. Hmm. Because those habits that we're creating with our friends, um, that's actually where we learn to build relationship that matters most 
And if one day we're going to have a, another relationship come into our life, if we don't have those habits for when they do come in our life, it's going to be really hard for us to gain those habits quickly. You know what I mean? Like you're, yeah. it's a part of that process. Don't I, you think? Yeah. I guess the only thing that I would like caution or like add to that advice is depth takes time. Yeah. And so I think sometimes yes. when we're dating, like, especially in Christian communities, like we get the physical intimacy boundaries, but we like sometimes forget the emotional intimacy boundaries because we're like, I just want you to know me and I want you to understand me and I want you to see me like my friends see me who I like spend all this time with or whoever else is in that like vulnerability uh, circle that you've created for yourself. You want them to be in that. But, like, your friends are in that circle because of, like, a longevity of relationship, yeah. not because you, like, just met them a week ago when they asked you to get coffee, and now, like, you have all this, like, closeness. It just takes time. And so that would be the only thing I would add to that. It's like That's a great warning. Not, not warn a little bit of warning, but more of, like, a reality. Yeah. Like, just time is if – time, if time is the most valuable thing that we have, we yeah. should probably – spend it appropriately yeah and again like not to say like have all your walls up don't let your guard down in dating but like kind of like have your walls up a little bit like there's like it you just in the same way with the friendship that you go through surface level things to get to the big things like allow dating to follow that that method too but when time is passed and when they become a person that's worthy of like your trust and vulnerability like let them in yes and it's both and, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I think what you're touching on is appropriateness. Mm-hmm. Totally. Because you don't, it's like uh, scripture. The Bible is like, yo, don't give pearls to pigs. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, like, don't give what's of value to somebody that you don't know or could be something else. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think people are really good at lying too. I think, I think people can like fake who they, who they think you want them to be for like up to six months plus, yeah, you know, and it's like, ah, I don't even know this person mm-hmm. for a minute. And so it's like, not that that's true for everyone. I'm just seeing that like we are hardly because of maybe even society or what we're listening to or honestly coming back to the value system because we're afraid to think through what we should value or what we want to value. <sighs> yeah. It's, it's... Or being judged on what or, we value. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I just, I just don't think, I just think it comes back to that, honestly. Yeah. You know, if we could work on that a little bit. And that's a tension to manage, you know, mm-hmm. for the rest of our life. Yeah. And because I think it can be, like, the line can be hard in dating. Not like I'm an expert, but just like it can be hard in dating to be like, I just want this to be fun and I just like want to have fun or this has to be serious and I got to get all my questions out now. And I think that there's like a really sweet spot in the middle of like we have intentional conversations because like, yes, I'm vetting you. Like that, that is what it is. Like call it what you, you are vetting each other, but have fun. Yes. Like let it be fun and like let the the moments that you're together like really be enjoyed until there's like the moment or like the moments that lead up to like, well, we need to have a difficult conversation to know like if I can move forward or not, or like if this is a good use of time. But like the other caution would be like, but don't look back on that time that was spent as a waste of time, you know? And I, it's like, because, because God will use every piece of it. Like literally, like I'm, I don't love my story to get to Colorado, but I wouldn't live in Colorado without that dude. You know, and so I think it's so important to be like, 
God uses everything, and it's not worth, like, being on the fence and, like, not really enjoying the moments that you're, like, figuring out if this is the right thing to continue pursuing to not, like, be fully in that moment. Like, they deserve your your time and attention, you know? Yeah. No, yeah. And, like, you know, this may be kind of cheeky or cliche or whatever, but, you know, before you're going to choose someone, uh, commit somebody to be family – they should probably be a friend first. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do you build a friend? Let's If you can focus on that, yeah. it lessens the, the, uh, all of the, the things it could overwhelm. Yeah. And it's like, they should be a, like, we should be a friend and then they should be a best friend. And if they're a best friend, then maybe just maybe we can commit to like, Hey, like maybe we should be family, you know? And it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, that, that feels appropriate. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. that gives me some, some uh like a kind gentle way to just like walk through what the relationship you know could be so totally um, we just totally went left field just yeah. left hand turn but i just was i don't know i just i just think that people are dealing with so much when it comes to that yeah that we're both kind of like investing in in separate directions like i said but I think that's so encouraging what you were sharing. Well, and it's it you you were talking about how like sorority is taboo. I feel like singleness is taboo. Oh, you know, yeah. like it's it's just yeah. hard to talk about. Like people don't want to admit that they don't want to be where they are, or don't know how to recognize that they want to be somewhere else in the future without with while being content where they are. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm glad we talked about this too. I mean, what's funny? I feel like I have this conversation with people all the time but not like on my like platform so yeah we'll see how it goes no no we we definitely stepped stepped into some uniqueness but it's like i am also not the expert i mean my last name's loving good so i feel like i should got a lot of jokes about that you've been married for a decade i should yeah 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 yeah, yeah. but but it's like i but i haven't been single for a decade Mm, mm -hmm. you know it's been i've been working on a relationship that matters to me most and it's 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 really cool to talk to somebody that's in the middle of it, but that's like do it, trying to be above reproach. You yeah. know, like your faith has taken huge steps in the middle of like all of this. And then as you look to the future, let's just maybe go a different direction. Just kind of like as we bring this maybe to a close, we'll see. But as as you look to the future, what's the what's the dream? That's such a good question. I mean, like, lifestyle-wise or, like, business-wise? You know, I think you could go lifestyle, but I would – I think what's more interesting is you've started this – maybe you've started this business. You're an entrepreneur. You're uh, you're a single-woman show right now, mm-hmm. like, meaning, like, you're by yourself on the team. But yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. Like, it's just you yeah. in your business. And so as you look to – you've got a business coach now. I'm curious as to, like – what is that person coaching you? Yeah. You know, how are you thinking about 2024? Where does uh, uh, where does your business and company go from here? Great questions. I think for her sorority journey, I've always known since I started her sorority journey that it was never only going to be about sorority. Eventually, it was going to grow beyond sorority. Cool. And so I think 2024 – is the year of figuring out what that looks like and where that looks like. I think there's been things just like cadences of programming or like 
mini series on the podcast or like we would do a summit every year for an anniversary that I just started questioning this year. Thanks a lot to my business coach. Shout out Jenny. I know she'll listen to this. Uh, like that I'm just like, okay, this is something I'm putting pressure on myself to do versus that's like generating life and like actually solving a problem. And so I think my, my biggest focus for her story journey in 2024 is like redefining and re-clarifying the prob the greatest problem that my women are facing and if we need to approach that in in a solution oriented way in a new way. Um, so I think that's like the biggest 2024 goal for her sorority journey. I guess the third thing would be like identifying where else the Lord's calling me to to share this message that I think is so much greater than sorority. Like the things we talk about, we cater to sorority women, but I mean like in the same way we just went through that whole conflict trajectory it's not just for sorry it's for you it's for it's for my roommate it's for my friends who work in corporate america it's for my parents you know it's for it's for anyone who's like trying to develop like meaningful relationships on this earth and so i think that's the biggest my biggest heart for her story during 2024 i used to be a big planner and to say like okay when I turn 28, I will be irrelevant. So I need to bring in a new person. <laughs> I love to be that. When like, I'm 28, I'm irrelevant. Yeah. I was like, so I'll need to bring in like a new face for like the TikTok or whatever. Well, I turn 28 in March and I don't plan on going anywhere. So I think like one thing the Lord has been teaching me is like man makes his plan, but like the Lord actually like establishes his steps. And so one thing that I, or God laughs, honestly, and I think one thing that I've been like leaning into is like, I actually don't need a five-year plan. I need like daily discipleship to Jesus. And I, to direct and like recalibrate each step to like be in more in line with where he's taking the business. Because I have made, I'm talking to a lot of people about this this week, and I think this is the reason I get so sentimental around my business anniversary, is I have made so many self-destructive, or sabotaging harmful and like harmful decisions in the last four years that should not have contributed to her sorority journey being where we are today. It's like only the hand of the Lord that we have a business that's sustainable enough that I can be full-time with it. Praise God for that, that he took like all of my brokenness and like sinful nature and like redeemed and reconciled, like really, it was like, don't look at that, look at me, right? Like, like pay no attention to like the woman behind the curtain like this is my show you know and I'm just and has like really like saved me through my company like the Lord has used my company to like show me more of his character and who he is and his great love for me and his great love for these women and how it actually doesn't matter like yes the per the brand of her sorority journey rides on Cassie Little's personality like that that is true but it's God's message and the stories that I tell are his stories and so I just I see the way that he has even like changed so much of what I thought the last four years were going to look like so who knows what the next four will look like and so I, I guess that's kind of like my heart posture is like open palms we're gonna like run the same plays that we did last year because last year was awesome. Like we, 2023 is probably the best year of my life. And, uh, wow. Our, wow. Our third year. That's a big statement. Oh, for no question. 2023 was the best year of my life. And so I'm just so excited for what it's going to look like, what 2024 is going to look like with 2023's momentum. Gosh, that's exciting. As you 
look to this year, and I think every I like you said I think men, women, old, young, it doesn't matter where they are, they can be challenged and encouraged by everything that you've said. Mm. Like it's really powerful and really good. Um, and so how does, uh, how do we look at, how are you looking at this next year in the terms of, I'm just curious about the problem. Mm, like what's yeah. the, what do you think, what do you think the problem is? Uh, or there's a lot of problems, so I, I get that. But like what do you think a problem is maybe that could catch somebody like off guard in my community or universally i i think um i this is really general so it's okay i know you're in process i think all the distractions that prevent us from focusing on belonging that like that's the gist like the the primary need that we all have specifically my sorority women is to belong and to know that they are worth being in the organization that they are in, that they are valued, and that the organization would not be the same without them. And when we know that, then we see ourselves as an owner in that. And so we we show up on time. We we show up early. We we offer to be on that committee. We run for leadership positions. Like strong leadership cultures, not just in sorority chapters, but like in any kind of organization, comes from an organization of people knowing that they are active contributors to the thing that they're a part of, which means that they're appreciated, which means that they are like affirmed, that they are like told that they're valued, not just like universally, but individually, like you encouraging me this week of like, you make a difference here. Like we really value you. When people hear that and with specifics of, and this is how I like coach my outgoing officers to empower members before elections. It's like, hey, Sally, you are a really skilled communicator or you are a really valuable relationship builder or I have seen your wisdom on Excel. Like, would you want to run for these positions that align with those skill sets? Because when people hear what they're good at, they get more excited about using those skills and leaning into those skills. And that's how they know they belong. And so that can't be the responsibility of one or two people. We need like a culture that is just like readily affirming others because when we, because they know that when we celebrate others, that doesn't diminish their own light or value. Sometimes we feel like, let's say we have like a cup of coffee, pretend this is full, worth of like value. And then when we like tell you that you're valuable, we like lose part of ours. I think that's the mentality we have a lot, right? It's like, well, if I tell you you matter, then I matter less. And instead of recognizing that how much it would mean for me with my full cup of coffee that matters to tell you that you matter, how much more powerful that would mean actually fills your cup more. Like, oh, she is in so confident and in such a position of titled or titleless leadership that she feels the authority to tell me that I matter or that my contributions make a difference. I respect her more. I value her more. And suddenly, I want to contribute more, and I want to sign up for her committee and show up for whatever. But those comments have to come in moments where there isn't an ask, right? Like, they can't be in cahoots with, and I need you to bring water bottles to bid day. It needs to be, like, you matter and you have the skill set in general. Have you, like, thought about running for a leadership position? Or, hey, you matter, like, thanks for doing that, period. And then, like, later, like, if it comes up, it's like, hey, I have this committee, like, I saw that you were a part of this, and 
really valuable in this way. Would you want to like help me brainstorm what it looks like to plan this event? No, I think it's got to be a gift. It actually has to be a gift. It can't yeah. be like a gift plus a, an ask. Mm-hmm. And then also at the same time, just to kind of add to what you're saying is what's the source? Is your source what other people say that fills your cup? Or is your source a well that never runs dry that you just get to overflow into other people's lives? Yeah. Do you need affirmation from others? Or is what God says about you enough to keep you in the game no matter what they say to you or about you? Totally. We just had uh, one of my like favorite colleagues in my industry on the Your Sorority Journey podcast. It went up yesterday called Choosing Confidence in a Culture of Comparison and Competition. And she talked about that, about this, love you, Tina, if you're listening. Uh, and she talked about this, this, I think specifically for women, like confidence is a team sport of like, we do need one another to affirm us and build us up. But it needs to be in conjunction conjunction with our self-worth being unwavering. But we can't, like, will ourselves enough to, like, do that in isolation. Like, we need that in community with one another. So it's I think it's, like, an intrinsicness plus an external piece. I don't think it's one or the other. Yeah. No, you're totally right. And, like, and in my belief, like, the intrinsic piece is the Holy Spirit. Like, that yeah. is yeah. the truth of who God says we are. And the community piece is like being with those people, like we talked about earlier, whose lives we aspire to be like, feeding us God's truth and wisdom to point us in like right direction, in identity and who we want to be. Yeah, and it's thinking about flow and is, has someone gone before you that can pour into you? Yeah. And then is there someone coming after you that you can pour into? Yeah. And it's like, at the end of the day, isn't that discipleship? And then at the end of the day, isn't it kind of like just really developing people? Yeah. And knowing that people matter and that actually people win championships, not plays or strategies or planning. Mm-hmm. And it's like all those things are good, but in the right place, mm-hmm. in the right order of like what matters most. Yep. Man, what a convo. This is good. I'm fired up. That was awesome, Trev. My gosh. So thank you so much for for just sitting down, allowing us to have a convo, and then just allowing it to go where it went because I think it's really valuable. Yeah. It feels unique as well. Lord knows what you'll name it after all. (laughs) I know, right? And uh, I just, uh, people people need to follow you. People Mm. need to see what God does with your life. You're just getting started. You're going somewhere. God's doing something special. You keep giving him credit, and it's just like, man, you're just on the four years. That's just like nothing, right? Oh, yeah, I was I praying mean, about that this morning. It's a lot, but it's nothing. We're just getting started. Pff, yeah. Shout out to that. Hashtag just getting started. Um, how do people connect with Cassie Little? Well, first of all, it's such a privilege to like continue to connect with you, and you are the champion of those in your life. And so it means so much that we got to talk about this because I, I agree. God is doing really cool things yeah. in my life, and I love talking about it. So, so thanks for giving me a platform to share and no, be long-winded. Welcome. I uh, <laughs> would love to connect with you. You can connect with my personal Instagram at littlecass, L-I-T-T-L-E-C-A-S-S. Um, you can also uh, see what we're doing for sorority communities at Her Sorority Journey. Um, 
on Instagram, on TikTok, or at our website, herstoryjourney.com. And then also you can listen to more about what Cass, Cassie says on her podcast. Your Sorority Journey Podcast. Your Sorority Journey Podcast. So uh, thank you guys for joining. This was the Full Vantage Podcast. We got Cassie's vantage point, and it was awesome. See you guys soon. It was awesome. Wow. Well, uh, you can keep the, what I said about my uncle. Just ed-